is up and if you're not fired up after listening to that song i don't even want to be friends with you anymore real fact it's a great song it's the boomtown pod it is all things mma episode two and uh you heard the guy beating the drums in the background that guy's daryl ralph and daryl is joining me right now daryl how are you man i'm doing awesome man this is kind of uh fulfilling a little uh bucket list of mine being on a mma podcast wow talking about uh UFC. It's awesome, man. Amen. Super happy to put you on here. Now, of course, this past weekend we had a, uh, I couldn't believe it was a fight night a card that's for free. Literally would say it. Like, I was looking more forward to this than a lot of the ones I paid for. Big time. So with that, let's step into the action. Uh, of course, one of the big headlines was uh, a Canadian boy who stepped in on six days notice, flew to Abu Dhabi, and whooped ass. Of course, that's Tanner yeah. Bozer. That guy is heavy-handed. He's a machine, and he's won his last three fights in the UFC, beating Rafael Pessoa. And uh, the one thing I took away from that is this guy is a bad, bad man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's got the mullet to prove it. He's an Edmonton boy, is he not? Oh, yes. Party in the front, business in the back. I was, uh, it's my, well, you know, I, I really thank you for putting lights out. As the, uh, hear somebody say lights out, I tell the band, we need a fighter to walk out to lights out. So I heard uh, Bozer was going to be on the uh, card. So good old Instagram, I uh, messaged him and I kind of hinted, hey, man, maybe listen to this if you want to walk out to it. Well, then I see what he walks out to he's full-on country boy he's not doing he's not doing the bomb thing at all but i I still is a canadian boy and he kicked some ass it was nice yeah of course he gets the uh round two knockout two minutes 36 seconds in and it was just it was domination start to finish from tanner and i i'm happy to see him doing so successful and funny thing about tanner is he once was a part of the danger cats you got me who's the danger cat of course, I'm talking about the clothing company out in Canada. They're a very, uh, very well-known organization, and uh, it's more, I would say it's less east, a little more west, if you know what I'm okay. saying. Okay, okay. But okay. Uh, yeah, man, he started up a clothing company with a guy, uh, Uncle Hack is his name, and uh, he was another guy that fought for a different division for quite some time. So Tanner and him started this uh, Danger Cats company, and it kind of kind of took off and got a life of its own. If you go out anywhere in uh, Saskatchewan or Alberta or BC, you see the big old Danger Cats logo on the back of cars and trucks, and everybody's got a T-shirt, and <laughs> that's kind of how it is. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I feel left out now. I'm going to have to go get a T-shirt then. Yeah, yeah that's and, awesome. That's and really their, clothing, cool. their clothing's awesome. Like, they got t shirts and it's called the Pussmaster 6000 like it's just nice yeah man it's just small town hillbilly stuff and that's when he said he plays the country music it makes sense um okay yeah he's a good guy our women bantamweight division we had Patty Kinzad versus Beth Carrera and we were talking about it before we got on here I said Beth Carrera might have had the biggest fall from grace I have ever seen yeah I couldn't even believe she was on the uh the prelim yes the last time she was yelling at uh, Rousey, Rousey yep. got she pissed her off and Rousey kicked her ass. But uh, yeah, losing again, 
Yeah, and she called out Holly Holm the last time that they fought, and Holly Holm, well, she beat the shit out of her for that. So that means it was that- a good fight, though. It was a solid fight, though. Oh, it was a great fight. I'm not taking anything away from that at all. Uh, you know, when I saw the matchup, I thought, like, just like you, wow, why is Beth on the prelims? I didn't understand it, but uh, Panny Kinzad made a name for herself. She uh, threw some pretty nasty combos. The leg kicks were nice. Yeah, yeah, she's. Uh... She's got it going on. Yeah, all around, that was a really good fight. I was impressed. Seeing uh, Korea lose there was uh, on the prelim a little bit. I was surprised. Uh, so was I. It was a little little different. Like I said, Beth Carrera's fall from grace. She's lost four in a row, including the, the losses to Home and Rousey, which, I mean, those are pretty reputable names to lose to if you're going to lose to anybody. Say what anybody will about Ronda Rousey, but that girl kicked all of the ass for all of the years. So uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, last week, I was talking about it with our guest, Devin uh, Boom Truck Smith, and he basically said to me, he's like, hey, man, you know, these judges have become something a little crazy in these days. And I said, yeah, man. And then we got a little drama. It never fucking fails to get a little bit of drama. But Francisco <laughs> Trinaldo and Jay Herbert started a fight, and it was a good scrap. I mean, I, I took away from that. That was the main event of the prelim card. I thought it was a great fight. Uh, as soon as the bell rung, both guys were touching you could hear you could hear the connections and then Trinaldo absolutely destroyed Herbert in the third round and it was a slow motion fall down he got hit and timber oh tut tut timber junior he went so it yeah. was, and i and you know here's where we get the controversy herb dean sees that herbert is clearly knocked out anybody that watched that fight saw that that man was unconscious Without a doubt. Lights out, Tr- right? Trinaldo didn't want to either. Lights out. There you go. Yeah, Trinaldo didn't even want to. He's like, stop this, man. I'm not going to punch this guy. This guy's, this guy's fucking dead. You kids want to see a dead body. Rewatch that fight because Herbert's body left his soul. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even there anymore. But anyways, the big controversy on that, and I want to get your take on this. Herb Dean was a little late in the, in the punches coming out after. And Trinaldo, like you said, was very hesitant to throw that bomb or two after. What did you take away from it? Bad stoppage, good stoppage? Okay, so I always have an opinion, obviously, but I do like to hear all sides. So I am like, when I watch UFC, I tell my wife, I'm not going to be in bed until probably 4 o'clock in the morning because I have to kind of debrief all the after the post-show stuff. Uh, And then I did see Herb Dean post something. I do think he was still covering his tracks. Still, Long story short, I think it was still a bad stoppage. If you listen to Herb Dean talk about it, I can kind of see where he was talking about. I don't know if you saw the video he put out. Have you seen the video he put out? Yeah, I watched. I kind of got his understanding of his description of it. But when you watch the video again, it's like somebody just took the batteries out of a fucking controller while you're playing a game. And you guy, you guys just fucking the standing there. Yeah, <laughs> he's saying he was tracking the fighter and he still had his hands up. Well, he had his hands up because his body was stiff. You know, yeah, you know sometimes when you're just sitting there and you draw a fucking massive blank look on your face and you're just like yeah. thinking about something and somebody says, hey, hey, Daryl. And you're like, oh, shit. Hey, what's up, man? And yeah. it, it, that's what it reminded me of is like this guy's getting fed. And Herb Dean's like, oh, shit. Okay, I should probably help this guy out right about now. Well, and that's the thing. Like, And it was still three punches after that. So bad stoppage. Bad it, stoppage. And I love Herb Dean. Yeah, so do I. Herb, Herb is one of the good boys in the game. And I, I feel it, bad that he had to go through that. And then, of course, 
all the controversy with him and Dan Hardy. Dan Hardy yelling at him, basically, stop the fight. And I, I understand what he was trying to say that, you know, uh, Herb Dean in the video said that former fighters have a job to do. Everybody has a job to do. And I completely agree with that. I, I'm not, dis, uh, you know, I'm not disagreeing in any aspect of that. But at the end of the day, it is your job for the safety of the fighters. And Dan Hardy, being a former fighter, knows what that's like. Well, I think uh, Herbert was his friend, too, yeah. I believe. So that's watching your buddy just take unnecessary punches to the head. Yeah, understandably upset. It does get a bit weird, especially without the crowd, that anybody could kind of yell in and say, stop the fight. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I'd be surprised if Dan Hardy doesn't get a little bit of a talking to, but at the same time, I, I, I think it's kind of cool that he did that and because uh, he's supposed to be wearing you know, his suit and tie. And instead, he's got that fighter mentality, and he's basically telling Herb Dean where to go. Guilty confession right now, Dan Hardy was my favorite fighter when I was a kid. I I, I could see that. He was pretty animated. He had the mohawk going on, and uh, GSP kind of kicked the shit out of him. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, funny. He, he did kick the shit out of him, but he's the only guy to never, ever submit or def- or go. He went, he was at that point, was the first guy to ever go five rounds with GSP and not tap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, well, I mean, he was tough. He was knocking guys out left and right. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, I love watching his shows, his breakdowns of the fights and stuff. He, he knows the science behind it. And, uh, yeah, he. I love Dan Hardy. He's great. Yeah. If I could meet some guy sometime in my lifetime, I would love to see. Uh, I'd love to meet him. I was so excited because it sounded like he was going to make a return to the UFC. Like, everybody forgets that he's not all that old. 32 is not exactly old. Um, but he, he was going to make his return, but he has a rare heart condition and the UFC has put a kibosh on him and Stefan Struve who suffer from the same thing. I think it's a, I think it's called Wolf. Okay. And anyways, it's, I could, I probably fucked that up immensely, but it's okay. But they suffer from this heart condition and basically it's like having a slight heart murmur. So the UFC has decided that, you know, they can't pass an actual test for cardio and stuff like that. So that's why they give Dan the position that they did. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. And, I kind of wondered about that. I, I, cause I Exactly. I was like, what the hell happened to that guy? It seemed like he lost to GSP, and then I didn't really see him too much after that. And it's like, wow, that's tough business if you're going to lose one fight and you don't come back kind of deal. But that makes sense. Yeah. So he was trying to make a comeback, and obviously he, he's failed these tests since, and Stefan Struve has been the same way, and that's why you haven't seen the skyscraper in the UFC for a very long time. Um, but it'd be interesting because, uh, Dan Hardy only wants one fight and that's against Nick Diaz. These guys have hated each other since the strike force days. And I mean, for me looking at it, Nick's been gone for six years, almost seven years now. And everybody's lobbying for him to make a return. I just saw some videos of him on Instagram training with Nate and he is ripped as shit. So it's not like he's probably out of shape and Dan Hardy looks pretty in shape himself. So uh, I would love to see those two have a fight. It might not be with the UFC because of Dana's stipulations. But um, even like a bare knuckle fight league. Oh, man, I would love to see that fight. Yeah, I uh, to be honest, I don't know if that would fare well with Dan Hardy. I mean, the Diaz brothers—they just kind of, oh, dude. Especially if his cardio is a little bit rough, uh, nobody's putting the Diaz guys down. You know, like so accurate. So he's going to be going the full distance. He better be ready to go his full distance. So uh, accurate. All right, yeah. let's get right into the main card then. So we switch it over ESPN Plus. That's where you're going to find the main card. Great, great card. Like we said, top to bottom. I didn't see a glaring fight that really didn't stand out to me. But here's one name that if you take anything away from this podcast, you need to remember this name. Kamzat. 
And you just need to remember that for the rest of eternity because this guy <laughs> is a fucking force to be reckoned with. He took on Reese McKee and not taking anything away from Reese because Reese is a former champion in a different different company. So, again, Reese comes in, UFC debut, goes against Kamzat, and Kamzat, uh, I want to use the word annihilation would be the one I use. It was uh, rough. It, I think it was 45 strikes to nothing. Uh, By the time and... he took him down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and he took him down within the first three seconds. He was just, he's a monster. He looks very dangerous for anybody. Again, though, I hope they kind of bring him up properly because there are levels. And, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. He's not – anybody in the UFC is not a chump. You know, I, I don't know. They're already talking about, like, get him to go for the championship. Let's see a few more. I say let's see a couple more before that happens. But I'm on the train. Trust me. Like, that was – my jaw was dropped. This guy is scary. Oh, I was watching that, and I couldn't believe what I was actually watching at all. Uh, this guy is, like, one of the hardest punchers. And the best thing with uh, – you said no live crowd, and I can't wait till there's crowds again, obviously, for your sakes <laughs> and what you guys do. And, of yeah, course, yeah. for the UFC as well. But, like, the bombs this guy was connecting on. And the nice thing that I take away with ha not having fans is you hear every single connection, folks, whether it be a touch – a kick, uh, you know, eye pokes. You can feel, you can hear him. <laughs> like it's 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 insane. Get this: in two fights, Kamzad has outstruck his opponents 162 to five. Crazy! It's crazy. Well, to add on top of that, though, his strikes, he controls his opponent's body so that they're useless, and he just sits and he's just smashing down, raining down strikes and strikes, and they they can't do anything. It was so funny because the commentators gave Reese McKee a ton of credit for being one of the toughest guys they've ever seen try to stop this guy. <laughs> that's rough. Yeah, oh. that's rough. I'm I'm on the train. I, I, I can't wait to see what else this guy does. Uh, every time he steps in the ring now, uh, I'm going to be waiting for annihilation. I think the next move for Kamzad is fighting a top 15 fighter, somebody within that, that standing. Uh, and that could yeah. be this. That could be this guy right here. Speaking of Walter Waits, Alex Oliveira. Just won his last matchup against Peter Sabota. Uh, decision, round three, obviously. Very, very entertaining fight. I thought it was good. Cowboy Alex Overa, just so people don't get confused. Yes, there's two Cowboys yeah. in the UFC. Yeah, I thought he, he looked good. He looked well-prepared. Um, but I think that could be an interesting matchup for Kamzat. Yeah, he was... Uh, Oliviera was keeping his distance, and he was really... Just really keeping his distance. So as long as he could... Keep away from uh, Kamzat running in and just, like, mauling him. But, I mean, that that would be – you never know, right? You never know with this sport. He runs in, gets caught. I think that might be the only way anybody's going to knock this guy out or stop this guy. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? I... But, yeah, Oliviera definitely looked great. He was, he was just picking him apart. Just super technical fight for him. Oliver is a very technical fighter in general. He's had a couple of sleeper fights lately, and this one kind of rejuvenated. I want to say the last two fights he's had have really rejuvenated who the Cowboy is, and he's he's a very good and articulate striker. He's very precise when he lands. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Now, in that aspect, we move up to the light heavyweight uh, division where we have Paul Craig uh, going in against a guy's name who might be the hardest thing I've ever had to read on TV and fucking <laughs> try to pronounce besides Ramib Nurmagomedov, Gad Zuramid. And Tigolov was the guy he nice. faced. 
Say that fast it, fucking five times. I, I'm letting you say all these names first, just so <laughs> you know, because I massacred them all. For for better reference, GA versus Paul Craig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh, baby, Paul Craig comes out of the gates, uh, looks at GA and goes, nah, fuck this, submission time. And, my God, two minutes and six seconds in the first round, he got it. GA looks pretty tough though. Like he looked, oh. unless he, unless Paul Craig was kind of bringing him, trapping him in, he, he looked like he was getting, you know, out muscled there, and he caught that triangle. And it was if my if my memory serves, I'm surprised at myself so far that I can remember all these. Uh, You're a good fights. man, Daryl. You're a good man. <laughs> yeah, good, good. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. But yeah, yeah, like... yeah, he was a triangle, correct? Yeah, he was he, a triangle. He caught... he he put him right into it. Yeah. He, uh, he tried to put G.A. into a... It looked like he was trying to almost sucker him in a little bit. You know what I mean? And then once okay. he did, he kind of slowed down and got that triangle right applied. And it was it was beautiful. It was uh, on there. There was no getting out of that one. No. That thing was tight. Tight from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we move up into the women's strawweight division, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Carla Espraza and Marina Rodriguez. Carla Espraza, winner of her two last fights going into this one, wins this one by decision. Looked good uh, for the majority of the fight, which now gives her three fights in a row, which now we're looking at, well, is she in title contention again? She is a former champion, went through a little bit of a phase there in the uh, you know, last couple of years, and then all of a sudden lately has turned it on. What do you think? What What's she ranked right now? She's... I think she's uh, the third five? fighter right now. Okay, yeah. I mean, she looked she looked great. She's tough. It was a tough fight. That oh, yeah. was back and forth. Uh, Rodriguez, uh, obviously, like, really good strike. She's got a future. She's going to be kicking some ass, but that just wasn't her night because uh, as far as this wrestling has always dominated in that, in that strawweight division. Yeah. He's an ultimate wrestler, and uh, that's what happens in MMA. You really good, the good wrestlers... Is then when they turn it on, they can always kind of take the fight to where they need it to be, which yeah. is on the ground, and so they're not getting picked apart. Yeah, and, you're... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think she does. Uh, it's good to see as far as coming back, and uh, yeah, I'd love to see her go for the title. Yeah, those those good fighters seem to pull through somehow, like the wrestlers especially. You look at Usman and Mazadal. I think the whole world thought Mazadal was going to win, except for me. I thought Usman was just a nightmare of a matchup. And then, of mm. course, like you look at... Uh, you look at GSP and anybody his face, his wrestling was, you know, it was out of this world legendary. And then you look at yeah. a guy, a, a guy like we get for, or we look forward to, uh, of course, UFC 252, and a guy that's headlining that card, Daniel Cormier, who might be one of the best wrestlers of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He picked guys up and slams them on their head, and they're heavyweights. It's the technique is unreal. His he's, wrestling technique is unreal. He's scary. Even when he fought at 205, I was like, "Wow, this guy is this guy's a beast, man." <laughs> and he's uh, he's forty. Yeah, he's forty. He started fighting when he was thirty. Yeah, <laughs> insane. Yeah. yeah, I cannot wait for that uh, fight. That is, uh, I'm already looking forward. I'm already nervous. When I'm already nervous, uh, uh, like I tell you, when they're walking down, I I get so nervous for these fights because that's what I love about this sport. It, you really never know which way it's going, and there's so much on the line. You know how hard these guys work for this one moment in time, and it's not like any other sport. Uh, there's no team going on. I mean, to get there, I guess there's a team, but. It's you and the other guy in the cage, and uh, yeah, it probably feels like life or death. Man, it's a puncher's chance, right? As the old expression goes, as old as time. That's the UFC, yeah. man. That's 
That's Bellator. That's the fun stuff, man. That's why we watch it and we get addicted to it because, you know, you ne it, the best thing is you never, ever know. Anybody's night could be that night. So, uh, and then we get into that. It could be anybody's night. We go from, uh, we talk about Daniel Cormier and Steve Miocic, who obviously are fighting for the heavyweight title. Well, let's not forget that on this card, we had a former UFC heavyweight champion as well. And Fabricio Werdum facing against a brand new heavyweight Thor dad bod looking Alexander Gustafson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was kind of voting for Alexander because it's just, you know, it's new. He's, he's in the heavyweight. He, he got... He retired, right? He retired, right, yes. and then that's his comeback. And I, I am, I'm always a sucker for a good comeback story. There was not much of a story going on there. It was basically a redemption story for both because Gustafson obviously moving up or losing his last in the light heavyweight moves up to heavyweight. Uh, Fabricio, like we talked about before we went on air here, Fabricio basically was in a dog fight against Olenek and he did not look good in that fight. Still won. No. Uh, it just was maybe one of the worst fights that I had ever watched. It was slow. It was lazy. Both guys looked yeah. out of shape. And that's not to criticize them because I bet their cardio is about 98 times better than mine already is. Um, <laughs> and that would be the division I'm fighting in. So <laughs> that would be a no from me. Yeah, man. I thought, I thought, uh, Fabricio came out with a, uh, plan of attack to go back to his old style of that, uh, very, very, very well-rounded ground game. And he pulled a submission out in round one, two minutes, 30 seconds in. And it was beautiful. It, yeah. It, it, that was uh textbook. Amazing. Uh, he needed to get Alexander down on the ground. Did. And he kept him there, took his back like a lightweight. He was moving. He just jumped on there because uh, he since. Yeah, he, he was trying. I thought he was going to get up there. But, uh, yeah, Verdum was not having any of it. Uh, he took his back. Yeah, that is right the most. Out. Yeah, that was definitely the most. Uh, that was the most complete Fabricio that I had seen in a very long time. I think maybe he benefited from having a shorter camp, a quicker turnaround, uh, and he just looked a lot more in shape. Which was uh, my biggest concern going into that fight was whose cardio is going to be better because Gustafson picked up forty pounds for this fight as compared to oh, what yeah. he normally fights at. So people always say weight cuts are hard. Try putting on weight. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's. It's hard to change up your body composition either way and then go fight for three rounds of somebody trying to take your head off. Uh, not fun at all. So what would you say is next for Gustafson? Would you like to see him back at light heavyweight or would you like to see him fight a couple more times at heavyweight? You hear you hear Dana say it all the time. When people start talking about retiring, like maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he should retire. I think he's like <laughs> obviously like the top in the world. Uh, I would think I would like to see him do uh, heavyweight again. Uh, I would just like to see him improve his ground game. Uh, John Jones kept taking him down. Yeah, and that's how he beat him. He just kept taking him down, taking him down. It's funny that John you bring Jones, one of the best strikers out there, uh, arguably maybe lost standing up. Yeah, you that know, first fight, I thought Gustafson won that fight for sure. Take take two, and all John Jones did is just kind of pick him apart a bit and then start taking him down, take him down, take him down. Gustafson, yeah, yeah, I'll just say Alex. At the beginning of this fight, he was looking great standing up. But, yeah, as soon as it went to the ground, good night. So stay at heavyweight and, you know, work on the ground game. One of the more intriguing matchups that was offered during that fight, uh, Gustafson, Got a retweet uh, from John Jones basically saying, hey, man, 
I'll make my way up there one day. We'll run it back, which would be really cool to see. I think if any fight was to happen, I would love to see Gustafson uh, welcome John Jones into the heavyweight division because it seems like that was what John Jones wants to do. I think John Jones wants to be that two belt guy like Daniel Cormier was or Conor McGregor. The list goes on and on. Uh, it seems everybody these days has won two belts for frig sakes, Ryan Bader and Bellator. <laughs> like it's just one yeah. of those things, man. But uh, I would like to see, I would like to see that matchup. I think Gustafson at heavyweight would be a world of a problem for welcoming John Jones into the heavyweight division. That that would be cool. I think money wise, though, if by chance John Jones lost coming into heavyweight, his first fight heavyweight to Gustafson, I don't know. Like there's a lot. Money-wise, there's a lot of other fights that people would probably want to see John Jones do heavyweight. So, like, if he lost his first fight in heavyweight, then it's kind of like, I don't know if it sets up a whole lot of, uh, you know, people might just be like, okay, he's not, he doesn't belong in the heavyweight. And then he'll just move back to 205 type thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Okay. I'd I'd rather him go up there and just fight, you know. Francis yeah, something. <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. And then we move into the light heavyweight division between two guys that says age isn't a fucking factor when it comes to putting on a damn good fight. Shogun Hua, two Brazilian boys, Antonio Rogério Nogueira. And uh, man, honestly, it's the third fight they had, and it seemed like they had the pace they did when they were 27. I didn't expect it at all. I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, they just kept going all the way to the end of the third round. It, it didn't slow down. Kept going back and forth. It was drama. That's all I can say about that fight. Man, that was unbelievable. Start to finish. Uh, I haven't really, uh, you know, you, you watch fighters throughout your career or your life and you understand who guys are. And Antonio Noguera is always going to be. The Noguera brothers are always going to be one of those names that you will always remember. And for me, the list of people that he has beaten over the years is just incredible. And he was going to go out regardless. He announced, obviously, that he has retired from the sport. Um, but he went out there like a pissed off teenager and said, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to go out on my type of terms, and damn, what a fight. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, there was a couple times both sides looked like, okay, it might be over here. Like, they were clipping each other both ways. It was just, uh, yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. Really, it could have went either way at the end. I, I, I would have been happy with either decision. I wouldn't have uh, fought it. No, not at all. I thought, you know, the first time that they had that fight, it was a lot more, obviously, unanimous for Shogun. This time around, I, I like I said, I, I really had it as a very even fight. Um, of course, we look back at the career. He's beaten Sam Elvey, Patrick Cummings, Rashad Evans, Tito Ortiz, uh, Luis Kane, Alistair Overeem, Dan Henderson, Overeem again. Like, he's had a lot of reputable names that he has beaten. That's heavy duty, yeah. I, yeah, you're deep into this, man, and that's uh, that. Yeah, I didn't know those names. That's a that's a big list of people to. Uh, that's a good resume. That's awesome a, resume. That's a fucking who's who, of yeah. even guys now. Overeem is on his way to trying to fight for again another UFC heavyweight championship, even at his age where he is forty. So I mean, he's kind of come up too, and I don't know. The light heavyweight division is uh, in shambles, but this was a great way for Antonio Rogero Nagara to walk out and Shogun proving that he still has a little bit left in the tank at 40. Uh, I don't know how much left Shogun has because until that performance, I really hadn't seen a spectacular Shogun fight. Yeah, he was uh, age matters. 
Like, uh, I'd hate to say it because both those guys are younger than me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, unless you're special, you know, like DC or even, uh, yeah, like you said, mentioned Overeem, fighting takes a toll and you can only take so many punches. And I hate it when guys overstay their welcome and uh, they get hurt. Seriously. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I, you know, we look at the, like, I'm looking at the record as we speak. And of course, in the last three fights, he is one split and one. And then the last one that we re- really remember of, uh, I guess, Shogun versus Smith, Anthony Lionheart Smith, that was just a mauling in the first round. Like, it, it was not good. But he had come running on, on a on a three-fight win streak. So it was a fight to make. Again, beating Antonio Noguera, and then Corey Anderson and Gian Vellante, and then got Anthony Smith, and we all know what happened there. But the names that he's lost to are pretty reputable names. Oh, Vincent St. Preux, Dan Henderson, Chael Sonnen, Alexander Gustafson, Dan Henderson, and John Jones. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's a, it's a gray area, and, you know, only unfortunately only the fighter kind of knows when it's time. And even then, they they still probably think they still got something else, as Rocky says, in the basement, right? We got something else, still something left in the basement. Yeah, something left <laughs> in the old cookie jar. That's for damn sure. And yeah, then, we get, yeah. then we get into our headlining fight, man. And I just want to say this was everything I wanted. And not a single part of me was upset about any of the rounds. Uh, we had Robert Whitaker former champion versus Darren Till, who is in his second fight at middleweight. And holy shit, Batman, what a fucking fight. Uh, yeah, and I'll be up front here. Whitaker is uh, possibly my favorite fighter. I just like how really humble he is. I, I feel his road to get to the title was harder than most. He, and he, like, genuinely won. Like, he was knocking people out to crazy wars with Romero and... So I was a little afraid for him because, yeah, I I don't know what those two wars did to him because, uh, you know, Izzy beat him pretty handedly, took the title from him. So I was a little bit afraid because Darren Till can knock a guy out. (laughs) So I I was, again, at the beginning of this fight, my heart was pumping. My anxiety was going up. uh, But, you know, it was a tough fight i i love robert whittaker but darren Till is a great guy too so you don't like to really root against him uh it's so technical though this fight that's all i can say yeah the one thing i really took out of this is that the old whittaker the old counter jab the old precise striker that a lot of people said well he doesn't look the same after israel uh came back to life and if that's the guy who's going to be going into this division uh rejuvenated recharged and everything else I would be fucking worried if I'm anybody in that division right now. Yeah, yeah. Darren Till was shutting down, like, the finding both of them were, though, the sp- the timing and the uh, space. Because, you know, Whitaker always has that backup kick that he, he, with, he, he comes flying in and then he finishes off with his kick. And uh, Till wasn't having any of it. He was he was getting away. But the leg kick, that's, oh. uh, yeah, just constant leg kicks. And it's funny because Darren Till used to be the king of the knee stump. And after he got his... So basically, Darren Till is going to be out for, I would say, probably the next six to eight months. It sounds like he's going to need surgery on that knee after receiving one of those knee kicks. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, Darren Till said himself, he's like, I fucking busted my leg right in half, mate. 
He's just like yeah. walking out there with a with a popped off kneecap trying to fight for three rounds. So props to his toughness, man. People questioned Darren Till as a fighter and how much he had a chin. And he, if you like I said, the best thing about having the UFC live now, you can fucking hear every one of those punches. And my God, did he take some shots? Oh man, yeah. All these guys are t- like I. Yeah, it's funny watching this. Well, back in the days when, you know, people used to go to bars and stuff and social gather and stuff like that, you always have these guys that think, uh, you know, well, if I was in there, I would do this. Shut up. If you were in there, you would get your ass kicked by anybody (laughs) that's doing this. Uh, All these guys are tough. And then at that level, uh, Till and Whittaker, uh, I mean, geez, you can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what they what they what it feels like. I don't want to. I'm I'm good. I'm good at watching it. Yeah, and and and, and as Robert Whitaker alluded to uh, during his post fight conference against Adesanya, uh, he was going through a lot emotionally. His daughter got really really sick there, so he was you know the UFC did a lot to help them out in that aspect. Gave him almost a year off, which was you know it's pretty much unheard of nowadays. And uh, just said, hey, man, get your family back together. So I don't know if his mindset was right, but Israel's a monster. We all know that. The kid is crazy. But a win over Darren Till and the way that he did it in such great fashion. He had some problems with the takedowns. Um, Darren Till using yeah. a really wide base on a lot of them. A lot of shoots were missed. But, uh, I mean, that's Till's lanky, man. And if you're going to try to shoot on a guy that has a wide base like that, like he is a very tall, uh, he's a very tall fighter. Yeah, I don't know how he got uh, to welterweight. He's a big guy. Uh, I think Whitaker was kind of setting up some of those takedowns after a while. He changed it up just to kind of throw him off, though, too. I'm not sure if some of them were, like, set up to actually take him down. Or get those punches in, yeah. Some more punches, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, man. He's one of those characters, Whitaker, now that they're talking about uh, Jared Carnier as a potential fight for uh, the number one contender position, which would be a doozy, I think would be a really fun fight. But for Till, I think the next thing is obviously he needs to get a little bit healthier. Get make sure that knee is back because uh, that's no fun at all. And uh, I don't know who he faces. I'd like. I think after this next fight card, this this upcoming weekend with Derek Brunson, if Brunson wins, I'd like to see Till and Brunson. That would be that would be good. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Derek Brunson, number eight, you know, in the world in the UFC middleweight rankings, and Darren Till, obviously, still trying to catch up. He's in, the, he's in, I think he's eleventh right now. But again, this is only his second fight into that division, which is, uh, it's got killers in that that or that uh, middleweight championship division, man. There's some badass boys in there, but I think that would be a good fight if Brunson pulls it off. I'd like to see, uh, you know, of course, Whitaker beat Brunson. So why not give Till Brunson and see who's the uh, better of the fighters? I think that goes more in Till's favor than it does Brunson. I I was gonna say that. I think Till would take that. Yeah. Uh, it'd be a great fight, though. It would be a fantastic fight, and hopefully that's one where we have fans because God. Watching the UFC without fans, it's fun. Like I said, you get to hear everything, but, God, just the atmosphere, you know, like watching it. I guess that goes for any sport. Uh, But, yeah, with the fighting, it really does showcase how hard these guys are hitting each other. With the crowd and everything, uh, you see somebody go down, and you're kind of like, what what the hell is that? But without the crowd, you know, the little jabs and everything, you can hear. uh, I'm enjoying it. it, The Fight Island, too, I kind of was hoping – 
the way they advertise it, there's an octagon right on the beach there. I, I thought that's actually what was going to go down. Been pretty cool. We talked about that last week on the podcast too. I was like, man, it's so weird that you would name it Fight Island and then have it indoors. Yeah, yeah, I didn't understand that, but I, I think uh, by the time they're broadcasting it over here, isn't it something like five in the morning or something like that over there? Or? Yeah. So when when those cards when those cards start, it was technically. 4 a.m. at uh, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much you'd really see anyways, but, I mean, yeah. I was. I thought it was going to be fight right on the beach and uh, going back to a little bit of a blood sport kind of thing. But... None, nonetheless, they did do well with production. Quality was great. Uh, I think they did well for the fighters. Every organization, you know, has been, I would say, very, very critiqued with what's going on in the world with the coronavirus. And Dana White just basically saying, well, fuck, man, we're going to keep running these fights because what we're doing seems to be working. Only two fighters have tested positive for COVID-19 during all of this. Yeah, it's insane. They're testing everybody. They're doing everything they need to do. It's definitely an awesome time to be a fan of uh, the UFC right now. The fight. Uh, they're catching up. I think they're going. So that's it for Fight Island. Now that, that was just to catch up all the international fights, right? That was it. That is uh, absolutely all that is left of Fight Island. So they're. Uh, I'm sure they're already out of there. I'm sure they've taken shit down and they're on their way home. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They definitely need to get home. I'm sure. Oh man. <laughs> and then I just wanted to touch base ever so slightly while I still have you on the phone. Uh, Bellator 242 went down. I don't want to be favoritism because I'm not like that. But Sergio Pettis, everybody knows him. Obviously, the younger brother of Anthony Showtime Pettis. Uh, two brothers, two different organizations. But Sergio fighting in the bantamweight division. It's such a fun fighter. Uh, went into this round. The winner of this fight between him and Ricky Bandeas would have been a title contention fight. And Mr. Pettis looked fucking good. Pettis brother, they're, they're, they're amazing fighters. That Duke Rufus Campman raises some killers, and uh, the Pettis brothers being some of the most notorious guys to work with that team. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, yeah, Showtime, it runs in the family. Big time, and that's uh, that's exciting. I'm looking for uh, I'm looking forward to Bellator 243, though. Uh, of course, we have Mike Chandler versus Benson Henderson, too. That's going to be an awesome fight the event was postponed due to covid um and now it's going to be happening august 7th mohegan sun so two weeks from now nice. that's going to be you know former former ufc uh, champion benson henderson former bellator champion benson henderson against former champion mike chandler uh do you follow bellator too uh, uh, quite a bit i i'm more of a ufc guy i, I really i i mean uh it's hard it's hard not to hear about bellator just following any of the organization and it's definitely good that ufc has competition yeah uh but yeah to, to be honest i i don't uh there's so much to watch uh ufc wise and uh i i you know with anything else going on in my life uh i i usually take up the, my spare time watching the ufc if i'm going to be watching something yeah bellator went really really quiet there for a couple of minutes hey eh? Yeah, yeah. And actually on that card, uh, speaking of UFC, former UFC heavyweight Matt Mitrione will be on that card versus Timothy Johnson, so that's pretty cool. And then Miles Drury makes his his uh, Bellator debut for them as well. No, is it, so is it Bellator that did the uh, the tournament not too long ago? Still doing it now, man. Still doing Still it now. Still doing it, yeah. I See, I like that. I, talking to you, I'm probably now going to 
my wife's going to kill me watching too many fights. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to start getting into Bellator, I think. I, I hear way too much about it, and I just, uh, I'm just old-school guy. I picked something. UFC is my go-to, so I'm going to stick with UFC. But uh, they're, they're all awesome. They're all awesome. And, uh, yeah, I love tournaments. There's nothing like a tournament. Nothing like it. It's one of my favorite things to watch. And uh, you're going to have to cover up, you know, call over the wife and be like, hey, wife, we're going to watch a romantic movie tonight and then pretend to pop in, like, the notebook and then just don't switch the TV and just leave UFC 243 on or some shit. There you go. There you go. Well, you heard it here. So I'll blame you. I'll blame you. Yeah. Wife. Yeah. Dear wife, I, I am sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, right on. Well, that's kind of the recap I wanted to talk about. Not a lot of news coming out of different camps, anything like that. No controversy, no drama. We talked about Herb Dean. We talked about all that. But uh, you guys, as, as I mentioned earlier in the show, this man is a drummer for a band called Bonds of Mara, and they are officially our theme song for the Boomtown Pod with Lights Out. Any of you fighters out there, give it a fucking listen. And if you're not goddamn motivated to fight people and kick ass after listening to it, we can't be friends. Yeah, yeah, I would love for a fighter, anybody that's fighter that's listening to uh, start walking out to that song. I would love that. That would be amazing. So are you guys wrapping up album production, or what's going on over there? We're uh, just starting. Uh, we Basically, with the COVID, we all pretty much did the quarantine thing, came up with a plan, and actually... Tomorrow, starting tomorrow, we're it's really excited. We're going in to start writing. We're doing the writing process. I mean, there's not a whole lot of uh, word on the street. I know some guys are thinking outside the box, but uh, live shows really aren't coming back anytime soon, probably next year. So yeah. we're going to treat this like the first album it is and uh, take the time and write proper hit after hit after hit hopefully and make it just an all-around kick-ass album oh man if anything is like the first two singles kill the love and lights out folks you are in for a treat and it helps that i am a big friend of the big friend of the band (laughs) yeah yeah we appreciate it man we appreciate it i also want to mention too i'm uh, i i love drumming for those guys also a drummer for the uh cult uh cartoon sons of butcher fuck the shit fuck the fucking shit yeah yeah and yeah fuck shit uh, they're (laughs) working on season three and uh getting ready to do the old pitch to netflix so hopefully that works out too oh they they gotta put season one and two on there though they'd have to yeah i don't see why they wouldn't Fucking some of the greatest television when I was growing up was Sons of Butcher. Yeah, nice. Raunchy yeah, ass, was, raunchy ass pretty, comedy. Stupid as fuck, but so damn good. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty stoked when they contacted me to uh, play drums for them. So how did yeah, that come about, happy. bro? Facebook. I did, we're all Hamilton. I'm a Hamilton boy. Yeah, uh, they're all Hamilton boys and a mutual friend. They were basically putting the band back together, and uh, they. As you know, you're a fan, so you know that they don't. The drummer was always kind of a little bit, well, not even on the show or anything. Not like at that. all, no. So, yeah, so they just uh, were talking uh, with a mutual friend, and they told them that uh, if I'm not the drummer of that band, then they don't know who is. So I went yeah. and tried out, and they were just like, "Where the hell have you been my whole life, man?" Yeah, 
And, uh, yeah, I'm going to get turned into a cartoon. I'm going to be on the series and everything like that. I can't wait. They are, they ran a super – it was a Kickstarter campaign, correct? Uh, yeah, they they did uh, – oh, what's the name of that? Uh, you kind of like a Kickstarter. Kind of like a Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. where you, you get like community donations. And uh, it's kind of cool because my life is coming full circle. So not only did you guys announce that you're doing season three, uh, the other fucking cool part is Undergrads is making a return as a movie as well. Oh, really? Hey, That's yeah, fucking nice. wild. My my days of sluggish, horribly not at the time appropriate shows for me were uh, now making a full come around, which is absolutely awesome. So that's that's big news, dude. Congrats! Yeah, it's awesome. I, uh, but yeah, this whole thing has been awesome. I'm just looking forward to the future, seeing what's going to happen. Things are things are definitely on the horizon, and uh, yeah, cannot wait. Fuck the shit. Fuck the fucking shit. Fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's going to be in everybody's head for the rest of the night now. You're very welcome, whoever's listening to this podcast. If you don't think that's a real song, go check it out, Sons of Butcher, called <laughs> Fuck the Shit. It's a real song. <laughs> yeah, and that is the lyric. That's There's, it, right there. You can't mess it up. There's really only three words in the entire song. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, how do people get a hold of you or people follow you on your socials, man? Just Daryl Ralph. Uh, actually, Daryl Ralph Acoustic Lifestyle on Facebook, or uh, yeah, Bonds of Mara and Sons of Butcher, and uh, yeah, that's it. Just look up the names of the bands, and that's it on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff. Boom, and this is episode two of Boomtown Pod, all things MMA. Thank you once again to our good friend Daryl Ralph, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. I had a blast. Remember, folks, fist up, chin high. And let them fly. This has been a presentation of the Blue Collar Media Group. Boomtown Pod. All things MMA.